This is the Real Life Runners podcast, episode number 274, Pushing Your Limits. And a quick note, just to say thank you to those of you who have left us a review on iTunes. We really appreciate you helping us to spread the word about the podcast and to grow the podcast so that we can help new runners. And if you haven't yet, we would be so appreciative if you would go leave us a rating and a review on podcast, on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you are listening to this. Now, on to the show. This is the Real Life Runners Podcast, and we're your hosts, Kevin and Angie Brown. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Now let's get running. All right. So Eliud Kipchoge just set the world record in the marathon with a blazing time of 201.09. I mean, it's insane, right? And it's a time that like most of us can't even imagine or wrap our heads around. I know I can't. Can you like, I'm, you're faster than I am. You got to break it down to like the quarter mile to figure out just how fast he's going. Yeah. And then you're like, okay, that's really, really yeah. fast. Like I, I look at that time and I'm like, how is that even possible? But as Kipchoge just showed us, it actually is possible. And he's known for a saying, no human is limited. And I think that this has a really big part of like plays a really big role in what he's able to achieve. I mean, it's really how he runs his entire life. Yeah. No human is limited, right? So the question here is, how often do you push your own limits? Do you believe that you are limited? And in what ways can you test your limits from time to time to break through and see what's possible for you? And that's what we want to talk about today on the podcast. So how do we go about doing this? How do we go about testing our own limits? Yeah. I mean, I, I love that that's essentially how he runs. I mean, that's literally how he runs, but it's also just how he lives his life yeah. is no human is limited. He, you know, so much of his prize money then goes back and like gives to the community mm-hmm. that he lives in. He trains with this phenomenal team. Like there's a shot, like it's a, it's a road race. So it wasn't the same as like when he broke two hours mm-hmm. in the, in the marathon yeah. because there weren't like pacers that traded out in front of him. But I saw a shot from the race. There were three of his teammates running as a solid wall in front of him. Right. So like the suggestion that this was solo and he understands that it's not solo. Right. He crossed the finish line and like with a smile on his face, like a, like a little kid when their parents get home, Mm -hmm. like he had that smile on his face as he like ran over to his coach. I mean, that was such a pure hug of like, we did this. Sure. He was the one out there, actual foot to pavement, but in his head, it fully believes we did this Mm -hmm. because when everybody comes together and works as one, then no human is limited. Yeah. I thought it was funny that the race has a sponsorship by Adidas also. So on his bib, even though it's not his sponsor, he's sponsored by Nike, but his bib says impossible is nothing. Oh, which is kind of funny. I like that. So if you're thinking to yourself, like, okay, obviously I'm not Kipchoge, which I mean, <laughs> all of us are thinking that, right? Um, but how can we like try to push our limits, right? Because he's out there pushing his limits and not only pushing his limits, but pushing the limits of what is believed to be possible, right? Like there are running experts out there that said it would never be possible for someone to run a marathon in under two hours. And he did that a few years ago. It was a very, you know, contrived situation and Mm -hmm. controlled situation. So that doesn't count as the world record which is why he just set the world record at this race at the Berlin Marathon. No, let's clarify. Like he broke his own world record. Correct. He didn't just set the world record. He broke his own <laughs> yes. world record yeah. by 30 seconds. By 30 seconds, yeah. right? Yeah. That he had set a couple years earlier at mm-hmm. the Berlin Marathon. Right. So, you know, he just keeps breaking record after record after record and just showing us what is actually possible. People are saying, oh, that would never be possible. And he's like, oh yeah, <laughs> let's let's try it out, right? And I think that that's such a fun way to live your life in general, right? And I think that so many of us limit ourselves without even knowing it. So how do we even go about testing our own limits? Well, the first thing you need to do, and one of the big things that we talk about here on the podcast is slowing down most of your runs, okay? Because so many runners... They tend to go out and they just push the pace on every run because you're like, yeah, like you feel inspired, right? You see something big like this, Mm -hmm. like the Berlin Marathon or the New York City Marathon is on TV, right? I'm I'm doing it. I'm I'm going to go get it. it. Yeah. Yeah. Like I want to go get faster too. That looks amazing, right? And we use that piece of motivation and we go out the door, but a lot of times runners will 
will go out and push the pace on every single run. And that just leads to fatigue, right? And when Mm -hmm. you get tired after that run, then that fatigue builds up in the body, right? There is such a thing as like a buildup of fatigue. And so if you're going out every day and pushing the pace on every single run, you're going to notice that you're going to stop being able to push the pace, right? Like when you do finally have like a speed workout or a race or really want to push yourself, you don't have the ability to do that because you have that fatigue built up in the body because you're not actually running easy enough on those easy days to allow your body to recover. Right. Like you have the ability to push on a harder day, but you can't push as much as you could have Mm -hmm. if you ended a little more, well, a little less fatigued with it, with less buildup of this cumulative fatigue that comes in. So then on workout days, you're like, Oh no, no, I was pushing really hard. Okay. You were, but your effort level was still up there. Your effort level was up there, but could you be at that same effort level? Mm -hmm. If you came in a little bit more fresh, that same effort level could be even faster. Or maybe you could up it to an even higher effort level and sustain that for longer. Mm -hmm. You could start experimenting. You could start playing more in that, like, can I push my limits during the workouts, Mm -hmm. which is hard to do all the time if all of your supposed easy runs are actually medium runs. Right. And we're going to be talking about that later in the podcast, specifically of like, if you want to start kind of pushing the pace and playing with this, how to go about doing that. Yeah. But we have to start with this principle of slowing it down. Because most of your running needs to be run at a comfortable pace, a very comfortable pace. You should not feel like you're pushing yourself on most of your runs. And about 80% of your runs should feel easy. This helps to improve your cardiovascular base, your your heart, your lungs, your breathing, your blood flow. It, it helps your body um, improve how it uses fuel, like how it breaks down fuel, like carbohydrates and fat to use as fuel in the body. It improves oxygen transport and uptake. There's so many different systems that work more efficiently when we're running slowly. And our body needs to make those adaptations so that we can then have the power and the capillary networks to give, you know, our muscles that blood, like when our, our muscles need to work harder, when our heart needs to pump faster and our lungs need to bring in more oxygen and be more efficient at, um, bringing that oxygen in and putting the oxygen in the blood and then getting the blood to the working muscles, right? Like all of those systems, work down the details there. <laughs> all of those systems need to be working efficiently for us to run faster. And a lot of those adaptations actually happen when we run at slower paces. Right. Because you can't make these massive adaptations in, in so many systems of, you know, the oxygen transport oxygen update uptake. It doesn't, you're not able to make those adaptations when you're only working out for like two to five minute Mm -hmm. bursts. And when you're pushing really hard, you're not out there pushing for 30, 45, 60 minutes. When you go nice and easy, you can sustain this very easy effort and your body's like, oh, I'm going to make all sorts of adaptations off this. The capillary networks, mitochondria, all this stuff, that's coming on the longer efforts. The shorter stuff also has its own physical adaptations, but you spend such little amount of time doing it that the adaptations just can't quite be as massive and drastic. Right, exactly. So running at an easy pace allows your body to recover, allows your body to make these adaptations and allows you to run longer because when you're running easier, you will naturally be able to sustain those effort levels for longer periods of time. And when you're out there running longer, your body, again, is going to make more adaptations. So in order for you to be able to have the energy and the body systems ready to actually be able to push your limits, you have to be you know, making sure that you're building this base up of easy, slow, slower running. Okay. Like quote unquote slow, right? Because slow is different for everybody, right? Kipchoge's slow is not the same as my slow, right? That's there's Kipchoge's no, there's no such thing like, as objectively slow. No, Kipchoge's slow, I think is like my 5k race pace, <laughs> maybe 10k. No, I mean, it's, he, he runs slower than that at times. He starts slower than mm-hmm. that. There's like, this is a classic move, the Kenyan shuffle. Mm-hmm. He will start distance runs at like eight to nine minute pace. Yeah. But by the end of it, it's a classic Kenyan training move. Their, their paces just keep getting quicker and quicker. So he'll finish like a 10 mile run that may have started at eight or nine minute pace, but the last couple of miles are at like 530, Which is still easy for him. It's still a comfortable right. pace for him. Like because he's not straining heart rate at that pace. His marathon pace, his world record marathon pace that he just ran was at 437 per mile. And he ran that for 26.2 miles. Like 
it's just mind blowing to yes. me. Yes, for those listening from other countries, I want to say that that's like two fifty ish per kilometer. Yeah, well, I, I mean, his five k's splits were right around fourteen, like fourteen to yep. fourteen, fourteen oh eight, like that. That he was running all of his five k's, and it's just absolutely incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, so, okay, so that's number one. Okay, in order for you to prepare to push your limits, to actually try to get faster, to run longer, whatever limitation you feel like you want to break through, start by building up that easy running base. Okay. Number two is that you have to strengthen your mental game. All right. You cannot ignore the mental aspect of your running. And this is what we started talking about a little bit earlier with Kipchoge, with having that mantra of no human is limited. He believes that to his core. And that is what drives his actions to be able to do the amazing things that he's able to do. So when you like, so my question to you then is, do you believe that? Right? Because a lot of runners, I feel like they wish, like a lot of runners wish that they could be faster or mm-hmm. wish that, that they could run longer, but do they truly believe it? And I want you to answer that question for yourself, right? Like I answer that question for myself. It's like, yeah, I wish that I could have, you know, a faster pace on this 5k or this half marathon, whatever it is, but do you truly believe it? So if you don't, then oftentimes you will set limits on yourself, whether you realize it or not, right? Like you have to ask yourself, you know, Am I limiting myself, even though I might not even be knowing it? Right. I wish I wish I could be faster. I, could, I wish I could have you know, greater speed, greater endurance, whatever the thing mm-hmm. is. You can sit around and, and wish for it, or you can lace up the shoes and put some mileage in. You can get the strength workout in. Like there's a point where yeah. you have to actually, you need to believe enough that it's possible so that you're willing to put in the work. If you don't believe a lot of times it'd be like, well, I wish I could do that, but I don't really believe I could. So it really kind of limits your motivation to want to put in the effort to aim for something that you don't think is actually possible. Exactly. And and that's why belief has to come first, right? Like a lot of times we think as humans, like we think that we need evidence in order to believe something, right? Like, well, I, how can I believe it if I've never done it before? And we want to try to flip that on your head. And those of you that listened to our podcast last week or joined us in our live training last week, understand that belief needs to come first, right? We need to actually believe in the either the outcome or at least in the possibility of the outcome, mm-hmm. right? Even if you're having a hard time really believing, like let's just use the example of a marathon since that's what we're kind of talking about here with Kipchoge. Maybe you want to be able to run a marathon. You're like, I wish I could do that, right? Do you actually believe that you're able to run a marathon? Or if, if, you're, if your answer to that is no, do you believe that it, it might be possible, right? Like, are you willing to believe in the possibility of that outcome. Because like Kevin said, if you can't believe that that thing is possible, the likelihood of you actually starting to do the work to achieve it is very low. We have to at least start with a belief in the possibility that we can achieve that thing. Then we will actually start working for it. Which I think leads to a couple of interesting questions to ask yourself about your running. What's the goal of running? And how much curiosity do you have wrapped up in that goal? What do you mean? Like I, I personally like to have one of the aspects of, of my running goal wise Mm -hmm. is, is related to this limits. Like how, how much can I test limits? How close to limits can I get? And that question is very curiosity based in my mind, because it's not like hard numbers. Like, Mm -hmm. I wonder if I can hit these exact numbers in these exact races. It's more of like, all right, if I worked really, really hard how fast could I get in a half marathon, in a marathon? Like how fast could I get in a 5k? Like I know how fast I used to be. Mm -hmm. I know the effort that I'd like to put forth for training for speed for a 5k right now. What does that result get me to? It's more of this like constant questioning of what's possible given, given how much I'm going to work for it. Mm -hmm. And then if I want to see if anything more is possible beyond that, am I willing to work a little bit more? There's that combination of, 
you know, we've got this real life existence also. And don't get me wrong, Kipchoge's got family, but it's not like he's working in nine to five. Right. Like he's got different limitations mm-hmm. on his life than a lot of people listening to the podcast right now. So what's the goal of your of your running? It's probably not I'm aiming to break a world record. Mm-hmm. Like there's probably not a people, a lot of people listening right now. They're like, yes, world record. That's my, that's my plan. Right. I two two oh one oh nine, good one. I'm going to two oh one oh eight. Like, mm-hmm. but there's still the chance of, I want to see how fast I can run a marathon. I want to see how fast I can run a half marathon. And that just opens up this curiosity kind of thing. Maybe you can stick a number to it, but there's so much curiosity in, I wonder just how fast it can be. I absolutely love the feeling of curiosity. Like I love using that feeling of curiosity to drive me not only in running, but in like so many other areas in my life. Like really just like being able to open us ourselves up to the possibility of something else is so powerful. It's such a positive feeling. It is. It is. And that's the thing that I don't think enough of us tap into, right? Like we think about like, can I do this thing? And then our brain automatically says no, because that's how (laughs) our human brains are wired, right? Like that's just how we are. Like you have to understand that like your human brain is wired to protect you. So anytime you want to do something bigger, something that you've never done before, your brain's automatic response, no matter how optimistic of a person or a positive of a person you are, your brain's going to tell you no. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then you have to use that optimism or that positivity to then overcome your brain's natural reaction to stay in the cave, right? Like to stay right where you are, because our brain likes what we are right now, because we know this place. When we start to do something bigger or something more, our brain gets freaked out because our brain does not know. And all of a sudden, if we don't know what that looks like, our brain says that's dangerous. We should not do that thing, right? And that's why I think that curiosity is a very powerful emotion that we can tap into because you don't have to go positive right away. Like you don't have to go right into like, I can do it. Like you can say, I think I might be able to, right? You right? Keep, like, I wonder if I can. You keep in the, you stay in the question mm-hmm. instead of diving in. You don't have to dive into the yes, but right. you also don't have to dive into the no and anxiety. Right. And like, what if I, what if I don't succeed at this? And I'm not sure if I can. And suddenly you're mm-hmm. all flustered before you even start it. Yeah. You can stay in that question of curiosity. It's a much, much more positive way. Yeah. Sometimes leaning all the way into of, I'm definitely going to be able to do this. Doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel like it fits. Right. It's because it feels inauthentic. Yes. Like, and, and when we feel inauthentic and fake, those are not feelings that we can use to drive ourselves forward, no. right? Because those are feelings that will always be holding us back, which is why curiosity. So one of the things that I, I like to do is like when my brain, like if I am trying to attempt something and my brain says, no, you can't do that. One of the things that I started using is, but what if I could? Okay. Right. So instead, like when my brain says, you can't do that. And I said, but what if I could? what would that look like? What if I could, Mm -hmm. right? And I start kind of approaching it from that angle, from that angle of possibility and curiosity versus like, whatever brain, you don't know. Sometimes I use that too. (laughs) Sometimes, sometimes when my brain says, no, you can't, I'd be like, yes, I can like, shut up, get on board. This is just what we're doing. Right. Sometimes I use that, that Avenue too, but that's why I think it's really powerful to have like different thoughts and different feelings and emotions that we can tap into to help drive us forward. Yeah, sometimes you, look, you use that talk against the brain, like yeah. mid-workout, mid-race. I yeah. know you've talked about using that one before. But... Oh, I, I, I talk to it like in the third person. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The brain gives me it's thoughts. Like a, and The brain is like outside of myself. Yes. And so then you can have a conversation with it. But mm-hmm. often the like, yeah, okay, you need to get on board because these are the thoughts we're going to have right now. These yeah. are the thoughts that serve me. So mm-hmm. you need to jump on board with that is a good thing, like mid-workout, mm-hmm. mid-race, because it's hard to, to think big picture. Sometimes yeah. you go very, very specific right there. Sometimes there's a good technique to pull way back, but sometimes you can go very specific, put brain as a third person, be like, all right, your thoughts aren't helping. These are the thoughts that we need to have. So let's start generating those thoughts. Tell it to the brain. Yeah. I mean, it's just like having kids, right? Like when you want your, (laughs) when you want your kids to do something, right? Uh Like there are times that like, when you ask them to do something and they like talk back against you and like tell you that they don't want to do it or whatever, then you will like try to approach it a different way, right? Like you can ask the question differently or you can offer a reward or you can offer a punishment. Like if they don't do it, right? Like there are times that you can use different parenting skills. And then there are other times, like when you have to leave the house to like get to an appointment or something like that, where you're just like, let's go. Like, I don't want to hear it. 
we have to leave now. Put your shoes on and get in the car. You have 30 seconds or else, you know, kind yep. of thing. Like the, there are different techniques to use. The difference in answering why. <laughs> like get I, on board. We're I going. Need, I need you to fold the laundry. Why? Well, and you can decide yeah. whether you're going to have some nice calm reasoning with them or mm -hmm. because I said fold the laundry. Yeah. Like we need to get in the car because we need to leave now. There's no debating about this. So you're like, well, which shoes should I put on? Any of them. Put them on and <laughs> get in the car. Let's roll. Yeah. I don't even care if they match. Just shoes on feet. Go. Clothes on your body, <laughs> shoes on your feet. Let's go. Right. So we have to have those same techniques with our brain at times, right? Like there are times that we can like kind of go back and forth and use curiosity. And then there are times that brain just needs to get on board mm -hmm. and we just have to overpower our little brain that wants to keep us stuck into where we are. Hey runners, quick interruption to remind you to pause this episode, take a screenshot and share it to your social media so that you can help us grow this free podcast that we produce for you every single week. Or if you'd like to buy us a coffee and support the show that way, you can head over to realliferunners.com forward slash patron, P-A-T-R-O-N, and you could make a one-time contribution to the show and we'll send you a little gift of appreciation. All right, now back to the episode. So one of the things that we have to think about, you know, once we kind of get to this place of curiosity and we figure out, okay, what is the goal? Okay, yes, I do want to push myself a little bit more. I do want to kind of see what's possible for me. The next question that you have to ask yourself is how open to failure are you, mm -hmm. right? Like, are you willing to fail? And this is what stops so many of us in our tracks because we don't like to fail. We as humans don't like failure because we often make that failure mean something about us. It means that somehow we're not good enough or somehow this thing's not possible. Oh, I tried that. I tried that once. It didn't work. So it, it must not be possible, right? Like how many failed workouts has Kipchoge had over the years? Oh my Lord. So many. I'm sure hundreds, right? Mm -hmm. Like if it, you know, percentage wise, like you, you look at Babe Ruth, right? Babe Ruth was was not anymore, but he was the home run leader. He, he had the most home runs of anyone all time, but he was also the strikeout leader. Yep. Right. So it's like he, in order to have that many successes also had to have that many failures because it's just how many times you're putting yourself in the ring. Well, I mean, part of it is you have to have that many swings. Yes. Like it, some of well, them are that's be how many times you're putting yourself in yes, the ring. Yes, putting like yourself for, in the for ring. For him, that's like, how many swings are you taking? How many times do you show up? How many times do you give it a shot? Sometimes they're going right. to be successful. Sometimes they won't. Sometimes you can go into a workout and be like, look, this is, this is the goal. I'm going to hit 12 times a quarter and this is my pace. And it's above your head. Yeah. And you know, going in, this is going to be really tricky for me to do it because it's a little bit beyond where I think I might be capable of. But let's give it a shot because maybe I am capable of this. Maybe I'm not, but let's see if it's possible because I think I might be capable. There's a difference between going into a workout and being like, all right, I can definitely do, let's just pick some easy numbers. I can definitely do quarters in like 90 seconds. Maybe 85 is swinging real big. Let's that's swinging for the fences. There's a difference between saying I can do them in 90. Why don't I try them in 60 versus I can do them in 90. Why don't I try them in 85? Yeah. Like there's a difference. One of them is above your head and one of them is not going to happen. Like there's a difference between setting yourself up for failure with the possibility of success and just setting yourself mm. up for failure. So which one do you think we should use? It's failure where there's a possibility of success okay. and it can be small. It could be a slim possibility of success, but mm. it's the further away from something that you know, like based off of my training, I've been running for years. I know roughly what I could do a 5k in right now. So yeah. I know what my 5k training pace would be. If I push that just a little bit further, am I capable of that? Maybe like the, the other day I was doing quarters at the end of a, of a run. I'm like, I, I know I could do these in 80 seconds, mm -hmm. but I think I could do them in 75. That's a lot different than saying, I know I can do them in 80. I think maybe I'll run my first one in 70. No, then I'm just going to be sitting on the ground. Like yeah. that's not going to set me up for the chance of success mm -hmm. where you push just a little bit. It's outside of your comfort zone. You're probably going to fail, but you might not. Yeah. Well, this is like how you ran the Jacksonville marathon, right? Right. Is I, I thought I might be capable of holding that pace. Yeah. Turns out I wasn't, but I really thought I had a shot of it. But you were open to failing at it. 
Yes. Right. Like, I mean, that was part of like, so give us just a, a sl- like a tiny background of this race and like kind of your thoughts going into it, because I think this is a really good example of what exactly we're talking about right. here. So my goal for a while marathon pace has been, can I hold six minute pace all the way through, which gets you to like two thirty seven and change. And at that race, I was holding about five forty five pace or so. That's aggressive. Yes. Because the best you've ever done is 602. Yes. Yeah. But it was one of those days, the conditions were the best conditions I've ever run a marathon in either. Also, like the weather was perfect. Mm -hmm. It was like a little cloudy and my training had gone real smooth and there was a group of people. So it's not like I was like pushing at 545 Mm -hmm. solo. Like there was a cluster of people and I was like, yeah, let's give it a shot. Let's see if I can just roll this pace for a while Mm. and see what happens. Knowing full well at mile like three, yeah, mile three, when I hit my like 5k split, I looked down, I was like, (laughs) hmm, interesting. Let's see. (laughs) (laughs) That's an interesting number. Well, that's not what I expected it to be. And and I saw you at that (laughs) time and it was like, like, I'm just going to smile. Like I'm going to smile because what's the alternative <laughs> at that point it was the like I could slow down substantially and be like no, no no let's play it safe and try and roll right into six minute pace but if you're right trying to go right on the like safe spot what if you slip a little bit to the slow side yeah now you you, you don't have a shot at your PR because you fell slightly off of the safest spot so I went a little aggressive I thought at my best, you know, in like the three months leading up to him, like at my best, maybe I could run low two thirties. Mm-hmm. And that was the pace that I was on. Right. But I was feeling so this amazing. was a possibility. It was you. a possibility. Like, oh yeah, a realistic possibility. Was it a big possibility? No, but there was like a five to ten percent chance that this could happen. Right. That all the stars aligned correctly. And the weather and the way I was feeling, and there mm-hmm. was actually a group of people running that pace. I'm like, look. Maybe the stars are lining up. And then at mile 16, all of the stars actually fell uh, onto me. <laughs> right onto your calf. <laughs> Just onto my calf. And then and then they stayed there. Pierced your calf with the, the sides of the stars. And then then like a like a cape off the back of me, they sat on it and I had to drag them <laughs> for the last eight miles, which right. was it was painful. So when you were at the beginning of the race and you were feeling really good, did it cross your mind about like, I might fail at this? Um, yes. Like, were you open to failure? Like, you know, that like going back to kind of what we're talking about here, how open to failure were you? So it did not cross my mind straight off the bat. Yeah. Straight off the bat opening mile. I was like, well, that's a little quick. And I thought, okay, this is probably going to settle in. And then I hit the five game. Like, okay, we did not slow down at all. Mm. I'm just still on the same pace, but I feel awesome. And we're like five, six miles into it. And then it occurred to me, I might not be able to hold this pace. Like I was, I was a while into it. And then it it dawned on me, (laughs) this might be a train wreck. (laughs) (laughs) And, and at that point I kind of smiled and chuckled to myself and I'm like, okay, time to take a goo. Like it it wasn't like this might be a train Mm -hmm. wreck. Oh no. And get all anxious and overwhelmed with emotions. It was just like, this might be a train wreck or not. It might not be. And just that possibility that it might not be made it, I, I, I still argue it was my most fulfilling marathon when I crossed the line. Yeah. Like it was the happiest I've been probably crossing the line. Which is awesome because it was your slowest ever also. Yes, it was. Right. Oh no. Well, Chicago. Chicago, like the very first marathon that you ran without <laughs> when, training. When you find yourself actually <laughs> sitting on the ground at mile 20. And probably then, not the best. Then you have to try and, and stand up and you realize that you can't stand up normally you have to roll over onto your stomach and do like a (laughs) push-up to get yourself up and moving again it's usually not set up for a blazing fast time so what did you make that failure mean um i didn't make that failure mean much i think that's what i think you did though (laughs) okay so in our conversations After the race, you've got something in mind because yeah. this was a couple years ago. I do. Like, you've got a memory here. I, yes. I, so in our conversations after the race, you made it mean that you went all in. Yeah. Right. Like I went all in and I didn't get the result that I wanted, but I'm still so happy and proud of myself that I went all in. Right. So, one so of it the- wasn't a failure. No, because yeah. one of the big goals of my running is to see how close to my limits I can get. Yeah. And I think I think I may have found it. 
I think based on that day you did based off of the training that I put in and my training went so smooth on that. Like everything was working real nice on that one. And I'm like, this is, this is what I got. So I, I felt pretty satisfied realizing that I think that I've, I've got to be relatively close to my physical limits at a marathon. Yeah. But, and, and you know, you guys can push your limits outside of races also, right? Like, does it happen at races? Yes. Right. Like, and that's part of the fun of like doing regular races is that you can like play with it. You can use different pacing strategies. Like we were talking to one of our Academy members this week and he does park run every single week, which is such a great organization, that's right? Amazing. Like, you can go out and do a 5k for free, like every weekend, basically. Right. You should move to the UK just for that, just for park run. All right. Come on UK. We're coming for you. <laughs> but, but like the, when you're doing regular races like that, you can kind of play with it. Like, okay, this time I'm going to go out fast. And I'm just going to try to hang on now next week. I'm going to try to like go out slower and then try to get faster every mile. Right. There's different things that you can do. And then you can test yourself and like try to push yourself in different ways. But we have to kind of take one step back and just say like, when you are trying to push yourself above your current level, like what Kevin was saying before of like, this is kind of what my training has been telling me of like, I can probably do hold this pace or hit this time. Let me just see if I can go a little bit faster, right? This should be done rarely. Okay. Like, especially if you're doing it, like in your workouts, every time you have a speed workout, and you have quarter repeats on your schedule or mile repeats on your schedule and you have you're trying to hit a certain pace and you're you shouldn't try to beat that pace every single time right no. because that is going to lead to a lot of mental frustration and can also lead to injury and overtraining if you do that too often. Well, I mean, there's a goal pace in a lot of workouts for a reason. Yeah. Like for the most part, you should train based off of your current physical abilities because they help you make the most adaptations physically. I think sometimes it's nice to have a little bit of like mental stretch, but be like, maybe I can go a little bit further. And physically, it's not so far out of out of your zone. Um, but if you go out and every single time you have a speed workout, you're mm -hmm. like, all right, this is the suggested pace. I'm going to try and beat it by X number of seconds, X right. number of minutes, like whatever it is. That's like going out on every single one of your runs and being like, I know it says mm -hmm. that I'm supposed to go easy. I've heard that podcast easy. Right. I scrolled Instagram and all my running coaches on Instagram all tell me easy pace, <laughs> but I am quite confident that I should push every single time I go out and yeah. run. Same thing can happen if you just push a little bit too hard every time you have a speed workout. Right. Like sometimes speed workouts should be moderate. Sometimes they should be 5K effort. Occasionally they should be beyond 5K effort, but they don't all need to be faster than, right. like they're not all a sprint. Right, right. And it, like this is really, I'm, I'm glad you pointed that out too, because you could have a specific pace range that you're working with. Like if you're following a certain training plan, but this can also be effort level training as well, yes, right? Like if you have an effort level workout on your schedule and you're supposed to go out at a, a medium pace, like a level five out of 10, and you're pushing that to a level six or a level seven, then you're not doing the workout correctly, right? You're not getting the same benefits from that workout. Like I went out yesterday and I did 1200 repeats and they were supposed to be according to the watch, the workout in my watch mm -hmm. tempo. Sure. And typically we do tempo pace around like L5 is kind of like your tempo pace, right? Um, and so I thought I was kind of working at a tempo. And then I like realized, especially by the third one that I was really <laughs> like, this is more like 5k effort level. Cause like really by the, you know, the last quarter of each 1200, uh -huh. I was pushing harder than an L5. You're pushing harder yeah. and you're like, okay, this, this needs to end. Right. But then, you know, as my human brain likes to tell me, I see that pace on my watch and I like, uh -huh, I, I want to keep it that pace. Like I want, I want to keep that. I like that number. Mm -hmm. I like that number. So I increased my effort level to try to keep it at that number. Yep. Right. So I ended up doing the workout. I would say that was more of a 5k workout versus like an L5 tempo workout. Yes different, you know, benefits, different adaptations. But to be fair, I also like the amount of recovery that I had built in was like more than what would normally be in a tempo workout, okay. in my opinion. So sure. I thought it should have been a harder effort level. It was more like, you know, the amount of recovery that I had in between intervals was more like a 5k workout. Like I had an extended recovery period in between each one. Well, this is the other thing that you can do, like as you're doing a workout, yeah. sometimes you're aiming for a certain effort, like an L5, yeah. and you're like, okay, well, L5, I need a very small like recovery. A one to two minute. And then maybe uh, on this particular day, I 
I was aiming for L5, but it just got a little salty and mm-hmm. I started getting a little bit quicker. Mm-hmm. Change your recovery. Yep. Stretch that recovery so that you get like however much you just ran right. into cut that. Like I ran for four minutes. I'm going to get two minute recovery yep. because I was pushing a little bit faster than, than the suggested. Yeah. Pace. And like, once you start to learn these types of things, you can learn how to adjust, you know, your workouts on the fly, on the fly which is really, really powerful. But again, making sure that you're not doing that on every single workout, right? Like if you play with one workout, that's one thing. If you're adjusting every single workout, then you're not really following that training plan. Especially if every time there's an L5 workout, you push it to an L7. Right. You've literally never trained L5. Right. I had to have this conversation with one of the kids on our cross country team. Yeah. Because she was running with one of her teammates. She goes, mm-hmm. I feel like I can do this pace. I'm like, of course you can do this pace, right. but you're not running this pace at the same effort that your teammates running. Yeah. You're not getting the same benefit. Like you need to slow down your effort right now so that you're at your personal level five. Mm -hmm. I know that you can run this pace for 10 minutes, but I don't need you to run faster than, than the goal for these 10 minutes. I need you to run your pace. And then when we get back to the track, then we're going to two hundreds. And then I need you to push really hard on the two hundreds. Like that was the goal of that workout. And she was like, wait, what? And then I had to explain it to her again. Mm -hmm. And the benefit that she often tries to push beyond level five, because level five's sometimes dull. Yeah. Like sometimes it is because it's like I'm pushing, but I'm not really pushing that you're, hard. You're pushing a little bit, but it still maintains that focus. Like yes. you still have to maintain focus, but you're not, you don't feel like you're going as fast as you can. Right. Because you definitely can go faster right. than L5, right. like six, seven, eight, nine, and 10. <laughs> <laughs> and all the halves in between. And all of the halves. <laughs> right. Because like effort levels can get a little tricky. And like that, this is one of the main concepts that we teach our runners inside the academy is how to actually assess your own effort level. and why it's important for us to run at different effort levels and why if your training plan says L5, it's important for you to try to find L5 versus L7, right? Yep. And and that's kind of like what we're talking about. So going back to like our point of this podcast, if you want to push your limits, you actually have to push the pace sometimes, right? So yes, it's important for you to do 80% of your running at that easy pace. Yes, it's important for you to start training the mental game and start tapping into curiosity and belief in the possibility of something more. And then you got to actually go out and do the work, okay? And that's (laughs) what we want to talk about now. If you want to pick up the pace, if you want to actually start pushing yourself into these higher effort levels, longer distances to actually see what you're capable of, what's the best way to do that? All right. So the answer is not full-blown sprinting. Right. There's Those are helpful sometimes. Sure. And they're helpful, but they're also mentally easier because most of us Mm -hmm. can understand what sprinting is. Mm -hmm. Like, all right, I'm going to go outside. I'm going to get myself all nice and warmed up and stretched for a while because I now need to warm up and thoroughly stretch. I've reached the decade of life where I need to thoroughly (laughs) warm up and stretch and leg swings and then just meditate for a few minutes. And then I can actually do some faster (laughs) running. Um, But we all physically grasp the concept of sprinting, that it's going so fast. Like this is a thing. And your body will physically shut itself down once you've reached like a certain time of sprinting, how fast, how long can we actually sprint? You might have. Well, it depends on which energy system we're talking about, but like full out is like really like 10 to 15 seconds. Right. I was going to say, I was going to say it's like 10. Yeah. It's 10. Full out sprinting is 10 seconds. That's not the, that's not what I'm saying. It's a hundred meter as an elite runner. As an elite runner. Elites can make it to the finish line before they run out of, of that fuel source. Right. Exactly. It's like, it's basically one to 10 seconds. Right. Which is why the 400 is the best race. I think one of the best races to watch the Olympics, because even the best athletes in the world Mm -hmm. cannot possibly physically sprint that whole thing. And they come off the turn and every single one of them is in the most excruciating pain Mm -hmm. ever. And the question is simply who's now going to get, who slows down the least? Yeah. Who can hang on? Yep. Mm -hmm. It's it's so much fun to watch. Yep. Um, But what we're not, we're talking here is not full-blown sprinting. It's Physically, we can get there. It's very difficult, but mentally, it's not that hard. You just run as fast as you possibly can. Yeah. Most runners, especially runners who are focused on more longer distances, don't spend much time just a little bit under that sprinting. It's that uncomfortable, really uncomfortable zone that's just below sprinting. It's faster than 5K racing, but it's below sprinting. There's there's a wide range in there. Mm-hmm. And for most athletes focused on 
uh, longer distances, there's simply all of the paces that are faster than 5k. That's all the same thing. It's everything that's faster than 5k is just goes into this big box called fast. <laughs> okay. But really there's a whole wide range of sub maximal yeah. efforts. And going back uh, years ago when mm-hmm. Angie and I were discussing very often having the conversation of how many different effort zones are there. I argued that there were like 7,000 and she suggested that we should narrow it down to five because it's easier (laughs) to explain. And we compromised at 10. Yeah. But if you're training for something like a 5k, there's a lot of effort levels that are faster than 5k, but are not sprinting. How fast can you go and hold it for a full minute? What about five minutes? What about 10 minutes? What about like, there's a lot of different things, which is why when I was in high school and would race various random distances, like there was a relay, it's Mm -hmm. the distance medley relay. That's a 400, 800, 1200 mile. You never race the 1200 ever. I've raced a half mile. Mm -hmm. I've raced a mile. And once a year I got thrown on the 1200 leg of this thing. Well, it's not mile pace. It's slightly faster than that because you don't have to do the fourth lap, but it's not 800 pace. You go 800 pace when you finish two laps and they're like, all right, one more, you got this thing. You are like, no, I don't. I'm going to lay down on the infield now. But there's a lot of zones and these are tricky zones to come into. They are. And that's one of the things I was saying about my 1200 yesterday, Yep. you know, because it's like, how, what should my effort level be to sustain it for this amount of time? Yes. Which if they're, if it's not a time interval that you're used to running, it really opens up. It goes back to that curiosity mindset of how fast can I push over this time interval? I'm not used to pushing myself really hard for five minutes, for three minutes. Mm -hmm. How fast could I push? How far could I get in three minutes? It's a, it's an interesting question asked that a lot of people training for 10 K half marathon marathon don't often ask their, that question. Yeah. Because that's not a typical workout that you see on your schedule. Right. Right. And so it's like a lot of times when you're training for a race, you just follow the training plan, right? If, if, If you have a training plan workout on your schedule. That's just what you do. It's not like, okay, now go out and see how fast you can run a 1200. Like that's not often a workout that you will see on a training plan. Right. Well, on a training plan, especially one that's designed for a race, Mm -hmm. you tend to be focused on certain zones that are going to try and optimize best for that race. Maybe you have some very race specific things, things that are just a a level above or level below that race. And you try and like narrow in on that race pace. But if you don't have a race on the schedule all that soon, you can really expand the curiosity Mm -hmm. because then you have time to run a workout that you may feel like junk the next day because you you really pushed yourself. Yeah. You took yourself to that place yeah. and you're going to need a few days to recover. And that's going to be okay. And you're like, oh, well, I was going to have two speed days during this week. No, you aren't. You're going to have one because now you need five days to recover from it. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. It just, sometimes it opens up that possibility about, I wonder what would happen if I did this workout. And the answer might be, you need a lot of recovery from it, mm-hmm. but it also might blow a limit away. That you're like, well, I never thought that I could run a mile that fast. Yeah. Right. Like we've had a person on our our team that they thought they could run a mile in like seven. Uh, Was it seven? They thought they could break seven or they thought they could break eight. Yeah. She thought she could break eight. I thought she should be in the low sevens. Yeah. And it turns out that you were right on that one. Yeah. She was a whole heck of a lot closer to seven than she was to eight. Yeah. She was able to run like a seven ten. Right. And she was just hoping to break eight. And I'm like, "Uh, you need to put your limit a lot lower than that. Which if you think that you can run a mile in eight minutes and Mm -hmm. it turns out that you can run a mile in seven, that completely changes how you would approach racing a 5k. Mm -hmm. Like this is what we've got on our cross country team right now. We've got some kids, like our fastest girl on the team has never really run before. Yeah. And so she doesn't really know how fast she's literally untapped possibility. Right. Yeah. But she also has no idea how fast that first mile could be because she doesn't know how fast she could run a single mile. If all she had to do was a mile, we should do that. I, this is what was going to happen if the hurricane didn't screw up our race this week. Darn hurricane. (laughs) But that's the thing is like, and and this is something that's can be really fun to do when you're in like a consistency cycle or like a base building cycle, like not necessarily a race training cycle, because like Kevin said, like if you're following a, a race training plan, it's set up for a reason the way that it is. If, I mean, honestly, if you want to adjust a week and do throw one of these workouts in there, it's probably not going to hurt you, but well, unless it does hurt you, unless it physically hurts you. you, And that's a different story. But what 
you can do like is make it interesting, right? Like what could I possibly do going back to that curiosity? Like, cause right now, like a lot of times base building cycles can get a little boring for people, right? Like totally. you're just going out you're doing that easy mileage, getting in, trying to build up that base, or maybe you're trying to build up strength, right? But it might be fun to push yourself sometimes, right? But like Kevin said, you have to do it in a safe way very sparingly, not every week. This isn't like every other, you know, workout that you're doing that you're trying to push yourself to that limit, but like maybe decide like, okay, in four weeks, I'm going to do like a mile time trial. Mm -hmm. Right. And just kind of like, let's see how fast I could run a mile. Like what would that pace be for me? Right. It doesn't have to just be out going out and like sprinting and seeing how fast you can go in a sprint, but it's like, how fast could I run a mile? How fast could I run a half mile? And a lot of us real life runners that get into running later in life have never done these types of shorter distances. Right. We've never really done these like sub maximal types of workouts because in our minds, like the shortest distance is a 5k. Of course it is. Right. Because that's what the race that you can go sign up for. Right. Like there's not a lot of adult track meets that you can go sign up for. I, I think they're probably more prevalent than we realize, but we, we have most, some around us, but yeah, but most people, that's not where their brain goes, right. Their brain automatically goes to the 5k, 10k, half marathon, marathon, but like 5k is kind of like the shortest distance in a lot of people's minds. Right. I mean, most of the things advertised around us, certainly like the running stores around us, the emails we get from the running stores around us talk about the local 5k, possibly 10k or longer. Yeah. You know, if you, and then the kids mile and the kids mile, right. It's always the kids mile. It's never, it's never the mile, right. It's the kids mile. But like, how fun would it be for you to actually just race a mile? What happens at the Christmas parade every Mm -hmm. year around us? Yeah. They have, they have a one mile all out, which is cool. It's like a point to point down the parade route. Exactly. And you get plenty, you get the high school kids, mm-hmm. you get some college kids that show up and you get a bunch of guys who like run the 5k circuit around yeah. us and they show up at this mile and it's just an all out blazing fast mile. And it yeah. goes pretty quick. Yeah. There's more excitement, I think coming up now, cause there's a few like big, uh, elite level road racing miles, Okay, like New York had one. Mm-hmm. And now they're starting to have a few other places around that beyond like the, the only one that I have in my head is fifth Avenue mile. But now I've seen a few other of these things. It'd be interesting if those start becoming a little bit more prevalent because yeah. they're fun point to point road race mile mm-hmm. is exciting in a way that racing four laps of a track it has it's also really exciting. Don't mm-hmm. get me wrong. Like that's a really exciting race, but there's a difference between four laps of a track and running from point A to point B in a straight line. Yeah. So kind of cool. Well, I mean, I did this like what a year and a half ago, yep. you know, like I decided like, it's been a while since I have run one mile all out. Like I did it a couple of years ago and then, um, you know, 2020 happened and all the races got canceled. And this was one of the things that I was like, okay, let me see how fast I can run a mile. That's the best part of 2020 is it just really opened up curiosity from Mm -hmm. a running perspective, I think. Yeah. And so, you know, it, it was fun. And I was like, I was able to, I hit my goal of, of what I wanted to achieve. And, um, yeah, it just like, like you said it, then when you have your mile at that time, then you're like, okay, well, what can my 5k be? Yes. Right. Because now I know that I'm able to run one mile at this pace. So how fast can I run three miles? Right. Yeah. And it just kind of like opens up a whole new world of possibility for you too. Right. Like that's what I was saying before is if you can run one mile in eight, then you probably shouldn't take out a 5k at an eight minute mile. Right. That's a dangerous move. But if you can run your opening, if you can run a mile in seven, you could probably take it out in 720 and try and hold on for Ooh, a while. That would be painful. It's going to be super <laughs> painful, but you're a lot of people also underestimate or overestimate how much they have to fall off of their mile pace to get to their 5k pace. You think so? I think a lot of people really put a a lot bigger gap between that of like, well, I can run one mile at seven minutes. So I should run a 5k at eight minute pace. No, probably more like 720 ish, 730. That just sounds painful, but yeah. And so I think that, you know, kind of bringing it back to where we started of like pushing your own limits. It is really fun to do this 
as long as you have the right mindset around it, right? Like, which is fun, right? Which is, (laughs) I mean, it is a really good, both physical and mental exercise as well. Yes. Right. Like, so if you look at it as fun, which is, so that's kind of funny right there. If we just look at our perspective on it, Mm -hmm. right. Of like, this could be really fun. Like other people can be like, that sounds awful. That sounds miserable. Right. Like that sounds absolutely terrible. What are you talking about? Start to think about your thoughts on this idea, right? Like what are, like when we say, what are you actually capable of? Are you willing to push your limits? Like, does that sound fun to you? Does that sound terrible to you? Like, what is it that you're actually thinking and feeling just about this idea in general? And is that something you want to work on? Right. If you're listening to this podcast as you run and your run has gradually gotten worse and suddenly you've developed a side (laughs) stitch out of nowhere and you're having like GI issues, it might just be because mentally this entire concept freaks you out, which might be a great reason to see how fast you can run a one kilometer. Yeah. Because (laughs) like part of this process of like you trying to push your own limits, you're going to have to start learning how to talk to yourself differently. Because if you're overly critical of yourself and if you you are very failure averse, this is not going to go well, right? And maybe this can highlight just how critical you are of yourself. And it can highlight, you know, how poor your self-talk is. And it can also give you an amazing opportunity to work on those things. Because if you can improve your ability to not criticize yourself, if you can improve your ability to support yourself and have your own back and talk to yourself in a kinder and more uplifting way versus like telling yourself like how, how terrible you are and how slow you are and how it feels awful and all these things, it can be a really good mental exercise as well. I mean, that's a great use of a workout to then use middle of a longer distance race. If you can be in the middle of a workout that's not going well, and instead of getting super critical and telling yourself you're slow and you never should have done this and you're not even a real runner, if you can be like, no, we're having fun and seeing what's possible, then Mm -hmm. in the middle of a half marathon, when you're an hour in and it might not be going great, you're not feeling at your best, you can still come back with that aspect of we're seeing what's possible. Mm -hmm. And today, this is what's possible. It keeps everything positive, which is such a great method to train. Totally. So go out there and push your limits, do it safely. Okay. Have fun. Have fun. (laughs) Make sure you're running easy. Don't do this all the time. You know, like, so don't like send me an email saying, I tried to push my limits and I, you know, tore my Achilles tendon. Be, Be smart about it. Okay. Like if you're feeling really tired, if you haven't been recovering well, if you're stressed out, like remember that your real life also plays a role in how your body is able to feel and perform. Okay. So make sure that if you want to push yourself, make sure that you set yourself up for success, make sure that you're getting enough sleep, make sure that you're recovering well, make sure that you're getting enough nutrition um, and hydration and all the things so that you can set yourself up to really actually, you know, be able to push your limits, but go on and have fun with it, you know, and um, see what you're capable of because it might be more than you think. Yeah, which could totally just change all of your training. And if you do have a win, if you do push yourself and maybe discover something new, I would love for you guys to reach out on Instagram at Real Life Runners, send me a DM and let me know that you tried to push yourself and what happened, you know, like maybe you crash and burn, like, and maybe you break through and do some amazing things that you never thought possible before. Both of those are great stories. Both of them are great stories. So reach out, connect with me over on Instagram at Real Life Runners. And as always, guys, thank you so much for your time. And we appreciate you choosing to spend your time with us um, listening to the Real Life Runners podcast. And thank you so much to all of you that have left us reviews on iTunes and shared this podcast with your friends um, and helped us to grow this podcast so that we can help more runners to feel amazing like you do. So as always... This has been the Real Life Runners podcast, episode number 274. Now get out there and run your life.